This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Hello everybody, thank you for listening to the podcast today. On today's episode, we're going to speak to Sarah Kelly. She is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner and an entrepreneur. Without further ado, let's bring on the podcast. How are you? Thank you. Doing good. Yeah. Doing good. Fern um, works downstairs at the hardware store, so he is an essential worker, and he's been working this whole time, so um it's we've just had to have a pretty regimented life but um we're total like hobbits so we're so pleased about this actually like not you know trying to over amplify what's going on right now but we like being in the house with each other so we're kind of good we definitely miss bowling um, we have two mats, but the way that our apartment is set up, um, we're, it's too loud in the hardware store for us to roll during the daytime, so mm. is what it is, but <laughs> we're doing good. That's yeah, cool. That's Thank awesome. you. I can't. She's so beautiful. Look at her just chilling. She looks like a perfect mix of the two of you. When I see her mm-hmm. face shape, I see you, and then I see... Like, she completely, 100% has, like, your eyebrows and your eyes, but maybe both of your eyes, and then her ears are 100% daddies, <laughs> but her he- the top of her head shape is totally you, Boreana. Is it? I everybody it, keeps saying she so crazy. looks more like Des than me. Even my mom calls her Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> What's it been like to be parents? it's it's fun it's uh, exhausting at times so it, she still like doesn't sleep through the night she wakes up twice or sometimes once but in like last night for example she woke up and she was um she was raped like she was awake you know she wanted to play yeah. and and communicate <laughs> with people socialize but i'm like i'm really tired i don't want to go back to bed <laughs> so that's i think the most exhausting part because other than that she's a good baby i can't really complain i mean she cries when she wants things but like being fed or she loves to be uh, picked up and walked around she doesn't really like to stay around <laughs> yeah we're talking about you so yeah oh. She's delicious. Like, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> She's so cute. Fern and I do not want children, but we deeply love and appreciate everyone else's. We're like, give us the baby. <laughs> like, before COVID, we're like, go to dinner, give us your child. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whenever whenever you, we're all free and clear, you need a babysitter, legit, I will do it. I am so baby hungry. Like, I never... Whenever she sees us working on the laptop or the phone, like that's where her eyes are at. Or the yeah. TV, when the TV is on, she always tries to turn around to look at it. We, we don't like her, but she um, she does it. Like it's interesting to her, it's something different. And she's different colors, people moving, so that's really interesting to her. Yeah. She's something else. She's something else. <laughs> okay, let's. Um, 
I'm gonna start with the questions and then uh, Des will add whatever he has. Okay. But can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you grew up, what you do for fun, for a living, whatever, whatever defines you, tell us who you are. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> big question. Um, I think I would say at the heart of it, I am a person actively working towards freedom and freedom for me is the ability to be with my family while pursuing like my passions and not really be like a slave to the game or the nine to five or anything like that. Um, I grew up in Cape May, New Jersey, so definitely not a city kid. I'm just here because this is where I was able to make this money after college and kind of never went back to Cape May. Um, everything kind of happens for a reason, so I'm super blessed for the fact that I ended up here. Um, I'm definitely a person that believes in like everything leading to the next thing, and um, it's been... Philly's been good to me. It's given me so many lessons and like things that I'll have in treasure forever, including my partner, Fernando and jujitsu. Mm -hmm. Um, so two kind of big things in my life that I never would have had, had I not been here. Um, I'm just turned 35. So it's kind of fun. It's like a fun mm -hmm. age, like a big, big number. It <laughs> feels like, um, and I am an entrepreneur. Um, I would call myself, I guess, an online business owner. I run a network marketing business, and I sell um, anti-aging, non-toxic hair care and skin care. Um, so I've been doing that for the last year and a half. Um, before doing that, I had owned um, and still own a PR firm um, that I've had since 2010 and um, primarily stuck to food media, local media, and then um, anything Kate May related kind of with tourism and mm -hmm. different things like that. Friends, businesses and things, I would help them to do tourism stuff up in Philadelphia. Um, and I would say right now in my life, I would consider myself a person that's kind of um, crazily driven on making two things happen. They're my main focus at this point in my life. And one is to retire my 70-year-old mother. Mm -hmm. And the second is to um, purchase a farm in Puerto Rico with my partner, Fernando, mm -hmm. and um, have we're thinking like five tiny home Airbnbs and kind of run um, an Airbnb business and then also have um, Fernando and his brother are going to open a jujitsu school. Nice. So that's kind of mainly what we're focusing on. Um, actually, our one-year countdown was on Saturday. So May 16, 2021 is our move day and uh, it's like full steam ahead. So I would say that is pretty much who I am in a nutshell right now. Nice. And you mentioned your passions. What are your passions? Pretty straightforward. Um, being able to live my life with Fernando is passion number one. Mm -hmm. And being able to care for my family is passion number two. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot that blends into both of those things, but they're pretty much like the vein 
that is within anything I'm doing if I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, Fernando and I definitely love jujitsu, which is a big one. We met through jujitsu, so um, he's pretty pleased right now that I bought these two ten foot mats that like three years ago. He's like, "Where are we gonna put these?" So I'm like. <laughs> pairs on sale or two hundred dollars a piece yeah. so we got them nice. and then just the other day he's like i'm really happy you got these i'm like yeah no <laughs> shit we could be in the middle of a pandemic with no mats right now like what <laughs> um so that's kind of funny but um i would say we really enjoy biking we're doing a lot of like biking and hammocking if we can like try and get as far away from people as possible because we are during like a pan- like you know covid quarantine mm. pandemic situation um other than that, I would say I'm super passionate about helping people to discover that they are powerful and able to make their own dreams come true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely something that can be taught or maybe just unconditioned rather, um, I think is like the bigger point of it. So many people are told on a daily basis they can't do something. And if you're young enough or it's in the right moment, sometimes it sticks. Yeah. Um, so the majority of what I do with my business is kind of coach um, a number of women to help them basically be able to get to a place to where they feel like, okay, like, cool, I got this. This is my business. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, hopefully they can repeat that process for more women or anyone really. Our our platform is open to everyone, but because it's the beauty industry is primarily women. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you miss Kate May at all? Yes, deeply. Um, Kate May is like um, a huge part of my heart and soul. Mm -hmm. Um, my parents live there still. So Mm -hmm. my whole family is down there. I just came up here for college and never left. Um, and my father recently, well, a year ago last week, um, passed away Mm -hmm. in our home in Cape May. So Mm -hmm. I will, no matter how far away I move, it will always be the core of me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a beautiful place. I love nature. I grew up being outside. It was super sobering to like move to Philadelphia after living in a town where like there's less lights Mm -hmm. like than there are in like a three block radius of Philadelphia so it was definitely a culture shock but um if I could choose where to live right now like you'd be living in Cayman before moving to PR but yeah yeah. yeah. nice and I was gonna uh so can you so you mentioned you went to college that kind of changed uh the route you took um so can you tell us how you went from college got getting the degree that you got because you sometimes hear that people don't um do the the job that they actually were trained for (laughs) in college so how did you go from whatever your path was supposed to be in college to where you are at right now So it's kind of funny that, like, I get asked this question while we're uh, in this time period of, like, mass unemployment, I'll say, because I went to LaSalle for communications and political science. I graduated and was an executive assistant at um, Dilworth Paxton Law Firm downtown. So I ultimately wanted to go to law school. That was, like, my goal of goals. So then um, I worked at this law firm for about six months and then the recession hit in 2008. So, or 2007. Um, So I was let go from my job and then went on to unemployment. 
and then could not for the life of me find a job. Like I searched for probably two years and was like taking a lot of like working at nightclubs and stuff like that. And then eventually I decided um, just because of so many people, you know, that worked in these nightclubs asking me to make flyers or help them to plan events that I just kind of put together like, oh shit, I have this skill set. Like I might as well just start charging people for this. Um, so after about two and a half years of just like working all over the place, gathering up all this knowledge, I opened, um, my PR firm in 2010. Um, and they just kind of just started freelancing from there on now. Um, and then I ran my PR business exclusively until 2018 as my full-time job. It was really difficult to scale and there were a number of reasons why, but the main one was the fact that just with the changing climate of like social media, there was a less and less of a need for me unless it was like a physical event or, you know, some type of business that required traditional media and they needed to take the traditional media route, which was less and less and less. Mm -hmm. So um, I had a client that I was working for that offered me a full-time job at the time I needed health insurance. I had a number of autoimmune issues that were like out of fucking whack because of Lyme disease. I had Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Um, so I took this job. It was soul sucking, horrible, the worst job I've ever had. I was a director of marketing for a international pharmaceutical company. And it really reminded me wholeheartedly that I am not the kind of person that can work for anyone but myself because I value my freedom. And within that time frame, um, my father had gone into hospice and was very ill and then had passed away. And just like the fact that I realized that I traded in the last six months of his life for complete shitheads mm -hmm. for a measly salary, like it was good money, but it was not worth what I traded it for, which was my time, which mm -hmm. and my time being traded for money kept me away from my family. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of when I decided that like I had to make an abrupt change in my life. I wasn't going to do that ever again. Like I had learned the hardest lesson I will ever learn and I will never forget it. I will never go back on it. And that's kind of been the fuel for this second, um, like entourage of being an entrepreneur in my lifetime. After having those three years away, I was like crazily reminded of like why I cannot be at a nine to five or work for anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a blessing. It, it, everything that happened happened the way it was supposed to. Um, they were painful lessons and they were painful sacrifices, but they've made me the person I am today. And I have never felt more capable or more in control of my life and the direction I want it to be going. And it kind of just came from a really authentic, beautiful place. So that's why I was saying it's like I can't really knock any experience I've ever had because it's led me to where I am right now. And I feel like blessed. I feel honored that like I could even get to just this place to where I'm working towards a dream before, you know, I didn't have all the pieces together to really make it happen. Right. And so what you do online, it's mostly online that you do uh, what you do now as an entrepreneur. Can you give us just like a little brief overview of what that entails and who you work with? Sure. Um, so I joined with a network marketing company called Monate. They are an anti-aging, non-toxic hair care and skincare company. 
Um, at the time, I had joined with Monate and started a business because um, I was on a journey of like changing over everything in my house to non-toxic things. Um, just realizing how sick my dad was, was really related to chemicals he was exposed to at a young age reminded me like I could make a change in my health for the better with just like changing the stuff I put on my skin or breathe in every single day. Um, and the hardest thing for me to find, um, was hair care and skincare that worked. I kept getting burnt. I kept getting like, I would put on these things are great for my skin, but they didn't have the chemicals necessary to keep me from getting sunburned or the, you know, shampoo was clean enough for me to eat, but it wasn't thoroughly cleaning my scalp. And I had like, um, a number of autoimmune issues. One of them was some severe scalp psoriasis. So I like turned all over the place, tried everything. And then the woman that signed me up in the business, the woman that convinced me really like, you have the entire skill set to do this. It's like, you should think about it. Um, when she told me that the products, you know, help those kinds of conditions, I was like, all right, I'm on board, sign me up. I have nothing to lose. So I like bought a kit of my products that I would be using just to basically be able to know what it is that I'm trying to tell people about these products. Um, it healed the psoriasis on my scalp that I had been taking awful medications for off and on for the last few years within a month. And I was like, okay, I'm sold enough for me. Um, I love the ingredients or rather the lack of ingredients that are super harmful and really carcinogenic. So that was like a big push for me too. And then, uh, and as far as what do I do, primarily I'm doing what every single other person does on social media every day. I'm just getting paid for it. So before I would be posting, you know, along this journey of like changing over my cleaning products to non-toxic things, you know, I'm putting up Dr. Bronner's, I'm putting up like, what else was I using at the time? Um, like all these cleaning companies, laundry detergents and people like 20, 30, 40 people a day are messaging me like, where did you, do you buy that? How was it? What is it good for? Why are you using it? I'm answering all these questions because I'm the kind of person that, you know, when I discover something, if people are interested, I want to educate them with every single thing I know. So I'm already prone to doing that just mm -hmm. in who I am. And then when I realized, sorry about that. When I realized that I could get paid for doing the same thing, I was like, cool, sign me up. Um, so basically I, I'm sharing the products that I'm using on social media, primarily Instagram or Facebook. Um, I'm letting people know what the products do for me, what's in them, what's not in them, how much it costs, if we have any sales, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. Takes me maybe 10 minutes a day to do the social media portion of it. The other portion of my day is dealing with customers that want to place orders or answering questions on social media because they saw something I posted. And then uh, placing orders for the customers. And then um, other portion of my business, which kind of excites me the most, is the fact that I get to train other women to do the same thing. So basically, I create a pattern, which Monate has already given me, basically a business system. Mm -hmm. um, you make it your own. And then I duplicate it and teach other people how to do it. Um, they are able to out-earn me. They're able to outrank me. So for me, that was really important to me that like, you know, God forbid something comes up in my life that I'm not able to dedicate my full time to this. I don't ever want to be keeping anybody from reaching their potential. Um, and also the fact that they can out earn me, 
um, ensures that this company is not a pyramid scheme, which a lot of people like to ask, is this a pyramid scheme? And, mm-hmm. um, network marketing companies have gotten a really bad rap, but there is the only difference between what I'm doing and what your favorite influencer on Instagram is doing singly by themselves is the fact that I've created a duplicatable system and I'm working smarter, not harder by educating 20, 50, 100 girls a year. I'm doing the same thing. And for that training and education that I'm providing them day after day, year after year, I get paid a portion of what they are earning as well as bonuses for different ranks and levels that they hit in their business. So for me, it was just a smart business model. Um, as a marketer and a PR professional, it's exciting for me to do these sort of things. It's, I'm talking about hair care and skincare. It's not like I'm trying to sell like carcinogenic drugs and materials like I was forced to do before it works. So, like this is a dream to me. Like other than like selling like I guess jujitsu stuff and maybe like plant supplies. I don't know what else I could be more jazzed about. So <laughs> it works for me. Um, and I just really enjoy the fact that like I make my day whatever I want it to be. I'm grieving because my father passed away not too long ago. And um, there's some days that I'm just not in a frame of mind of making money or work or like get out of bed. It's cool. doesn't affect me. I get to take care of my mental health. And my business is passively still making me money. So mm-hmm. that for me was a big plus because I had traded so much of my mental health for money at my last job that I flatly refused to ever like be in that same position again. So that is probably one of the biggest things for me is the fact that I wake up every day excited to do what I'm doing. And if I don't, I don't do it. So I remember at some point you were posting on, uh, on social media an app like you were doing tests of whatever products you oh, had at home uh, i forgot the name of the app but it was pretty much showing how bad for you that shampoo or conditioner or body lotion is and you were setting some things on fire just to to show that yeah. how, bad how, it how bad it is yeah, yeah. So can you just give us a like uh, just an overview of what that was uh, what some Perfect. of those products were as well Yes. So the app is called Think Dirty App. Type it in, Think Dirty App, and it'll pop up. It's free. It is a company that uploads all of the ingredients and then researches what the ingredients do or are for, whether or not they're carcinogenic, whether they're harmful, um, whether they cause allergic reactions, um, if they're illegal chemicals, meaning illegal in terms of European Union standards. The EU sets the tone for any kind of internally consumed product or externally applied product because they exclude over 1,300 chemicals that are they have deemed unsafe for human consumption or use. Um, so this app takes a lot of that guidelines into mind as they rate these products. So they have, it just started out as like beauty products, shampoo, makeup, shit like that. Now it's expanded to cleaning products, baby diapers, like you name it, it's on there. And what they're looking for is the ingredients. All of these ingredients have different levels and grades and colors to determine whether or not they're a passable ingredient or if they're carcinogenic or an allergic potential for reaction whatever Mm -hmm. but when you scan the upc code or you just type it in the search bar like search something if you're thinking about getting like a new baby lotion you could search the baby lotion Mm -hmm. it's going to pop it up and then tell you what level it is from zero from one to ten 
anything over a five is carcinogenic and over a lifetime of use is, is typically shown to give you cancer. Cool. So after like scanning all the crap in my house, I had about a panic attack and I was like, holy crap, DNA is already working against my health here. Like what the hell? I'm basing, I'm dosing myself in chemicals mm-hmm. every single day. And I'm cleaning the house with even more chemicals that linger. And then my cat's on the floor and her little paws are touching it. And then she cleans her paws. And like, I freaked out. I was like, F this man, we're throwing all this shit away. Mm-hmm. I'm everything we're getting brand new. And then, you know, they tell you to do it over time. But for me, I was like, I don't spend a lot of money on many things, but I'm going to spend everything we need to on this because it's our health we're talking about here. Like it is important. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of the app is that it is ambiguous. Like there is no, no sides being taken here. They're, they're serving every single company there is. But the one thing you can guarantee is that anything you're purchasing from a CVS or Target or something like that, they are under no guidelines or standards for any kind of production value ingredients formulations. There are a lot of really dangerous chemically ridden ways to cut corners, Mm. whether it's with processes, formulations, or ingredients. And a lot of this I learned at my last job when I learned how dirty the supplement industry is and how little they are policed. Mm. Um, So that also kind of like sent me on a tangent of really having to do the research myself and that's what led me to the Think Dirt app. And I was like, oh, bless you. Like, this is easy. I'm just going to type in this all day long and go crazy. Um, but to get to the dry shampoo part, I did lay a dry shampoo on fire. It was a very popular brand that probably everyone has. It's in every store you go into. And um, when I lit it on fire, it was it, – <laughs> it looked like um, a blowtorch. Like, it made a noise like a blowtorch, too. Like, you know when you see, like, them light, like, spray paint in a movie, and they're like, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> it did that in the house. I didn't expect it to get as big as it did, and I'm sure, like, Fernando will listen to this and be like, wait a minute, you let dry shampoo on fire in the house? Because he's not, like, big on social media, so he probably didn't see the video. But it, it damn near exploded in the house. Like, it was pretty dangerous. And it was bad for me to do, one, because the fire could have gone into the can, but I don't recommend anybody do it. Just know that all you have to do is look at your shampoo bottle and on the very back at the bottom near the UPC code, you're going to see some things that give you indicators as to whether or not it has butane in it or it is flammable. Mm -hmm. If you see the little fire sign, it's flammable, which means it has butane and petroleum, which is basically gasoline as ingredients. And you're dosing that on your scalp. Your scalp absorbs 82 to 95 percent of what you put on it depending on how open your pores are if you're sweating you're hitting 95 Mm -hmm. if it's 30 out you're hitting 82 but that's going directly into your bloodstream that feeds your brain and it's taking chemicals and metals and all kinds of pollutants and things to places that are really precious that you have to protect um so that was a really big thing for me too it's just like I did that like after six months of having my business with Monate and still discovering like so many things that I just wasn't aware of. And I lit that shit on fire because I thought it would be catchy and everybody would be like, whoa, what is she doing? But the purpose of it was to educate people on what made it flammable in the first place. Uh, okay, so can you, you told us that you're very passionate about Jiu-Jitsu. That's actually what brought you together with your partner, Fernando. Can you tell us how you even got on that journey? How 
did you decided to um, start training jujitsu and what your experience has been training and what have you learned while doing that? So I first discovered jujitsu um, about four years ago. At the time, um, I was visiting a school over in the Fairmount area pretty frequently just from hanging out with people that were training there. And, um, after watching like for three months, I was like seeing people change, like the, like inside good, good vibes, like self-worth work change mm-hmm. happening. And I was like, damn, like I want to be a part of this. And I watched for like another month and then slowly but surely I was like recognizing that I was like remembering what people were doing, like what moves were called. And I wasn't against the idea of doing it. It was just at the time I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, like if I should take this on. And then I took my first class. I was effing obsessed. Um, I've always been more on the, uh, I was an extremely uh, aggressive young female due to, uh, you know, just having a lot of feelings grief like my dad's been sick for 20 years so it just was a lot and I enjoyed um bar fights with men at a young age and then you know like got over it and I was like no you know beyond that I don't need to fight the bar anymore but there was still a part of me that loved conflict and like that physical exchange of like energy and just like I'm overpowering you you're overpowering me and I got you and then I enjoyed the idea of boxing. Like I'd always kind of like taking kickboxing classes, played around with that Muay Thai here and there, but jujitsu just felt so fun and so freeing while I was doing it. And then like, when I got done, I realized that I got to expend the same trapped energy that got released when I would fight. So I was like, okay, here we go. And then when I realized, yes, there are belts. I always, equated belts with bs because every single person i knew that did karate i'm like come on bro like what are you gonna do with that like uh, it's whatever so um the belt thing really enticed me once i discovered how many freaking levels there were to jujitsu like that blew my mind i like to read i like to learn but i never really had anything in my life beyond like dance when I was younger or lacrosse but to a certain point you kind of master what your body's capable of doing with that sport or that thing and I discovered by seeing such older people on the mat even later in my like my career when I I left that gym and joined balance and just seeing like 72 year old Willie on the mat I'm like holy fuck like this dude this bird is kicking it right now. Like he's whooping ass on this mat and he only started 10 years ago. That's awesome. Like just to see how many layers there is to the thing that is jujitsu gave me like crazy fever to like try and figure out as much as I could. So in the very beginning, I was like everybody else taking two or three classes a day, taking classes six days a week. What is stretching? I don't know. Like what's a rest day? Get out of my face. Like I had two birthday parties at my jujitsu school. Like I was obsessed. Um, and then I came to balance. It was a completely different school from the one that I went to. The school that I was at before was mainly white belts and blue belts, and they were all promoted within the gym. So we'd all rolled with each other for the two years. No variety. So to go to balance, and 
at my old school, it was mainly women, which was really rare. The majority of the people I rolled with were women. So to be at a school where it's 95% men was like crazy because I got to engage that cool part of myself, like to fist fight men in the club, but now I've got skills to do with it and I'm not punching you. We're having fun. And like, I just threw you across the room. How cool. And now I just choked you even cooler. So I think jujitsu in general has been amazing because it gave me like the, like the fire in my life again, phys for physical things. Mm-hmm. I have relied for so long because of my business on just being so like mentally focused on what I was doing that I really did let my health go to the wayside. So it's amazing to be able to like feel vitality at 35 and mm-hmm. feel like, you know, like I've got my life under control physically and health wise. Um, and it also gave me Fernando. Um, I met Fernando at the school that I'd gone to. He had visited for a class. I remember thinking at the time, wow, he's freaking hot. Like, he's fun. He's a purple belt. Like, I want to roll with him. There, I'd never seen another higher belt before um, besides the instructor at the school. <laughs> so, funny. so I was like, dang, this is cool. Like, he's a purple belt. Mm, okay. <laughs> and then at the time, I was kind of afraid to roll with guys because the ones that I had at the gym where I was at, you know, I knew them. Like, I didn't know how to roll with a strange guy. I was scared. So he was super Fernando he was like lovely and cordial and like very helpful taught me some things and uh I didn't see him again for another year and then when I came to balance um I'd been there for about a month and we had just been missing each other I was mainly taking day classes that's when he worked and then there was kind of just like the one day where he came in and he saw me and like he got on the mat and like gave me a hug and then like we literally haven't been apart since so Jiu-jitsu gave me the love of my life. It gave me every path and purpose that I have right now. Um, he completes the major part of my story and has brought so much joy and fulfillment to my life and my purpose in life that um, it's just super cool that it came from jiu-jitsu and not like from us running into each other in like Whole Foods or like a weird dating app because we're in our 30s. So I'm pretty pleased. <laughs> and just for our listeners, Sarah is actually one of the nicest people to roll with. Uh, I'm actually surprised when you said that you had these like almost, I don't know if I should call them angry issues, but we, whatever you want to call it. Yes. You are so nice and you flow. And I remember when I was starting to, to, to know a little bit better what I'm doing, you were always helping me. You were like, do this, do that. You were never, I've never had a role with you where you, you were trying to kill me, even when I felt like I could almost like take you back. Because I've had those experiences when people feel like I'm about to threaten them and they turn it up on me. You've never done that. And you always try to guide me. And Fernando is the same way. He's actually one of the those people um, like the, I have like a few brown belts guys who are there for me from the very beginning. And when I always thought that no one wanted to roll with me because I'm a white belt who never, who doesn't know what they're doing, these people are always these three guys who are always there for me and always willing to help me. And of, obviously, Fernando is also my size, almost a little bit bigger, but like he's smaller, so he was always giving me tips that were very, very helpful to me. Um, so just thank you. Yeah, I love both of you uh, for, for that reason. And we, we um, love both of you too. <laughs> thank you. Um, and what is is there anything that you have learned about yourself uh, or 
any major life lessons that you might have had while training jiu-jitsu or because you're training jiu-jitsu? Yes. Um, I think for me, and this is like me getting deep, I'm getting deep here, but I think the beauty of jujitsu is the fact that it can, if you allow it to, and you're open to it, can change you on a very emotional, well-being, spiritual level. Um, for me, I always, um, you know, my father got diagnosed with cancer when I was 12. I had a really weird childhood. It was perfect, but I myself put a lot of pressure on myself and made uh, life probably a little harder than it needed to be for myself. So in jujitsu, um, there was a good period of time after I left my house and became an adult that I got really lazy. I lost my discipline. I lost my ability to choose like health over like temporary satisfactions. And for me, um, I just, I think I'm just really thankful that jujitsu was so fun for me in the beginning and that it happened at the moment that it was supposed to, that I latched onto it. Um, and I know that I will do it for life now because I have found it. And it is the thing that, you know, you all know those active people that are in their seventies and they're still running or doing their jump rope or whatever that thing was that they found that like stuck with them. Um, but in finding jujitsu and loving it so much and being obsessed with it in the beginning, I didn't, it didn't require discipline of me to do it because I loved it so much as it got harder to do, meaning skill wise, it was difficult. Um, I found myself requiring discipline in not allowing myself to succumb to like a negative attitude about the fact that I was not getting something right away, or I always get past here, or they always catch me with this. And then, um, normally for me saying like internally, I was really hard on myself, like jujitsu for the first time ever was really just leaving me stumped. Like I couldn't be hard on myself because I physically didn't know what I was doing. And it's like, you know, how mad at yourself can you be for, you know, being angry that you can't like bear and bolo at a, as a white belt on like the first day of day's lesson, mm -hmm. but I took it really seriously. So, um, I just learned a lot of lessons about compassion, but how to keep compassion and discipline together, which still to this day is something I'm forever learning how to tighten and bring to a clear picture of what works for me. Um, but until jujitsu, I did not have the ability to even realize one that I had I had lost my discipline, and two that I deserved discipline, because it's not a negative thing. It is getting me closer to whatever goal I have set in front of me that requires discipline for that that moment or that time. Um, and I don't think I would have come to that lesson too quickly without that without the sport. And the sport just gave it to me so gently and like in such a fun way because I enjoyed it so much that, um, you know, I was kind of able to come to these decisions in what felt like a spiritual way. Like I was always connecting the dots and being like, ah, uh -huh. okay. Okay. I got you. All right. Like, <laughs> that makes thank sense. you. I'll do that. <laughs> I agree. And then you started doing hot yoga right before this whole thing. Now everything is closed, so you can't really go to the studio. I know you can do, Zoom classes, but I personally haven't done any because I actually left my mat in the studio before that. So the day before I had the baby, 
I was in class and I left my mat there because I didn't know that I would go into yeah. labor the next day. Um, yeah. And, uh, but also for me, it's um, the, you know, I love the heat. I love the heat. And for me, it's a big part of that yoga. For me, it's not challenging enough if I don't have the heat. Let's put it this way. Yeah. So, um, and jujitsu and yoga have changed me in different ways. And the best way I put it, like to my, I was talking to my uh, yoga instructors uh, when I was pregnant about it, that I uh, really uh, miss jujitsu. But yoga is like my meditation. I can, I'm usually like a very intense person and I'm always rushing, getting things done. And yoga is the only place where I love to just slow down and be, go as slow as possible. I don't like to rush poses. I like to stay extra in poses to enjoy it. So what are uh, some of the things that you have? And jujitsu on the other hand is like pure fun for me. Yoga is also fun, but in a different way. So are there things that um, have you have been able to like get from from both uh, that are different in that way too? Yes, hundred percent. So yoga, I honestly have gone to probably I'll say nine yoga classes. I won't even dare say ten before starting hot yoga. So. To me, yoga was always like the thing that like when I was feeling good in my life and in my prime, I would want to go do that just to be like, oh, I did yoga. Yeah, cool. Um, it never really challenged me much, especially when I was doing jujitsu. It always just felt like a stretch and I'm terrible at stretching. It's so boring to me. And that's always kind of what I associated yoga with. But I, it was like the middle of January. Yeah, it was the middle of January. No, actually, it was end of December. I saw a Groupon. I bought it. I always wanted to go to hot yoga, and at the time, I was like, why not? It's, like, freezing cold outside. I can deal with, like, 104-degree room. Who cares? So I get there. I take the first class. I walked into, thank God, a 90-minute class. So I took, you know, I did the worst thing first, which was great, because at the end of the class, I was, I could not, my cheeks hurt from smiling. Like, I couldn't stop being obsessed with what just happened, like, what I just did. And the heat, if I would have, if I would have tried hot yoga before jujitsu, especially before having trained at balance on a, a July day uh, in class, I couldn't have handled hot yoga. I would have been the baby that got up and got out or fainted on like my mat. But like when I got in there, I was like, all right, like I don't have a gi on. It's not like sunny in my face right now. I can just sit here in basically like a bathing suit or like spats and just like take this class. Like who cares? Let's do it. But what kicked me in the face was how fucking hard those poses are. And me thinking, like, I'm a fit person. I do jujitsu. I was weightlifting at a time. Like, I like to, you know, I eat well. I was struggle bus. Like, I was already sweating because it was hot. But then I could feel the sheer, like, panic in my muscles. Just being like, oh, God, oh, God. Like, what the hell is, what are you doing? What is this? And then at the end of it, it was the challenge that I needed for my soul because I hadn't pushed myself in so long. And to a certain degree, I'm only a blue belt, but I'm not like 
a blue belt on the path to purple pelt right now mentally. I'm just doing jujitsu because I like it. And I've gotten to a place to where my jujitsu can keep me at a certain level. Like I'm cool with it. I'm going to get whooped by purple and up, but blue and under is like fun for me still. So it was fun to have something that I was terrible at, but loved, but could get better at what felt like quickly. Mm -hmm. The other cool thing about it was the fact that my immune system felt so good. I have autoimmune issues. I'm super aware of like everything in my body, probably too aware. And it makes me a hypochondriac because I'm like, Oh God, this, that. But when I was taking these classes, like the ability to like all of the moves and then hearing what the moves are for and what organs they're compressing and detoxing and what it's doing for your lymph system. Like all of that was like music to my ears. Then I became hooked. I was sold. I took my second class had an instructor that taught more along that, like they wanted to let you know what was happening in the body with every pose Mm -hmm. beyond the functional points of this is how you do it. So then for me, it was like connecting the dots. Like this is instantaneously helping seven or eight organs that I have in just one hour. And I'm sweating out so many toxins that my body normally has a very difficult time expelling because I have an autoimmune issue. Like this is awesome. Um, I also lost a shitload of weight super quick. My muscles responded and and reacted so positively to what I was doing that I was getting cut instantly. Like, it was really hard to – I'd hit a momentum with my jiu-jitsu where I wasn't really losing weight. I was just kind of like – whatever shape I was was whatever shape I was. But the ability to kind of contour my body with something that was healthy, being the hot yoga, was awesome. And I think the last thing that I didn't expect to get from it that I did was the fact that when I was done class, I was so depleted of minerals and nutrients and vitamins that all I craved was like pure vegetables. So I started this habit now after class of having like a a huge head of basically like a salad for four people to myself. Mm -hmm. And the vitality that I felt from the class to the detox, to the food, to how I felt after, plus I'm still doing jujitsu. Like it really was a catalyst for so many health changes in my life. And it happened during probably the peak of like my grief where I was not being healthy. I was not taking care of myself. I was being very lax in putting my needs first. And it kind of just like, eased them all back in there again to the point of where I was like craving these things, craving healthier foods. I wanted to sweat. I wanted to struggle, um, which was awesome. And it kind of sounds like sort of the same deal for the people that are there. Cause I'm chatty. I like to talk to people and yeah. in the waiting room when we're all like trying to breathe again, I'm like, Ooh, really? I'm like, how long are we doing this? You like this? And you know, they feel very similar things. Even the, like 75-year-old woman that takes the class every single time I'm there, same thing. She's like, honey, do it every day till you're dying. You won't die till you're 120. I'm like, okay, <laughs> good for me. I'm here. I'm hooked. Yeah, actually, when I was going at that same studio that you are referring to, there was a 90-something-year-old lady who would always go by the window because the heat was a little too much for her back. I was like, if at that age, obviously for some poses she had to hold on to the wall and like her balance wasn't completely um, the way it is for the younger people, but she was in there. So that was pretty amazing to me as well. And I felt like I had the same exact experience when I first started. I started doing it more for um, mental health 
honestly, because I was not at a very good place, but I also um, I also needed it for like a physical, like very like physical challenge, which is exactly what happened. I've actually heard that you can burn up to like anywhere between 800 and a thousand calories in there, depending on like how hard you work. And also obviously if you're a man or a woman, men do burn more calories than women. But, yeah. and the other thing, cause you mentioned well, losing weight and I did too, but the other thing that I've heard about Bikram Yoga in particular is that you lose what you need to and you gain what you need to. So weight can, you might even be the same weight, but it gets distributed differently. I remember yeah. before I even started losing all that weight, everybody was saying that I was leaner. I looked like I was losing weight, even though I actually hadn't lost any at the beginning. And I was like, I don't know. I just do yoga every day. And then I started noticing changes in my body, even though I was still the same weight. Because 100 mm -hmm. pounds is literally like too little for me, I think. I started looking a little anorexic. Um, yeah. But then you realize that you just, and it was in the summer, so I think I was just like not eating enough. Um, yeah. But it's that's, that's, that's what another thing that I love about uh, yoga too, that it, it makes you be okay with your body, whatever your body is. So, yeah. yeah. 100%. Agree with that. Um, and one last question. Uh, so you have come to my classes a few times uh, to give some knowledge to my undergrads in particular. What, are, what is your advice for young people who are, especially now, I, I, I graduated in 2008 from college and it was one, like it was same as you, like um, in pretty much very close to a deep recession. Uh, or already there, a lot of companies weren't hiring, and the ones that were were not sponsoring for working visas, which I needed at the time since I was an international student, since everybody was trying to limit their expenses. Uh, and I actually had already decided I was going to go on the PhD path, but I remember that I did apply to um, different jobs just in case, because you never know. Uh, yeah. And I, it was, I was a little freaked out because I didn't get admitted until like a month before I had to graduate from college. And I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life if I don't get into a PhD program. So right. obviously that's not something that a lot of people want to do because it's a lot of time dedication, um, getting your PhD. Not everybody wants to just be an, a student for another five years. So for, especially for undergrads who are now graduating, what is your advice to them? Okay, so I have this conversation probably once a day. The majority of the people that I have um, on my team in my business all recently were sent home early from college because of COVID. Um, at the time, most businesses were closed, like in Pennsylvania, most businesses are still closed except for essential locations. But um, particularly where I'm from, in Cape May, we are a tourist town and tourist season begins at Easter. And the month before that, your job starts because you're preparing the space that you work in to be ready for them. Um, and a lot of time, college kids will come home on the weekends to help to prepare these spaces to make, you know, $10 an hour or whatever um, while they're in school. And that wasn't happening this year. 
So college kids were already feeling the pinch before they were sent home. And then when they were sent home, because they weren't working a job where they were able to secure unemployment, they did not get unemployment. So um, in general, the thing that I've been telling all of them is whether or not they choose to join a business or a company structured the way that Monate is. Every single thing that you do moving forward that is going to provide you with an income that creates you financial freedom, meaning should shit hit the fan again, you have, you know, seven or eight months worth of income set aside for you to do whatever you need to do with it. Um, I think the beauty of harnessing every platform that you can early before you need to in order to create an online platform for you to create an income for yourself um, is something that is better done way ahead of needing it. Although, you know, with it being 2020 and all of the technology and the apps and the companies that are out there, you can certainly jump right in the river and get to making money ASAP. Um, but to me, the thing that I've been trying to pass on to college kids specifically is the fact that it's a little dark, but it's real. And for me, um, my dad always kind of stressed the importance of telling the truth. You know, it hurts whether you have to hear it or say it. And um, I think a lot of people aren't shooting kids straight these days with what's going on, particularly kids that should be independent financially or attempting to be 18, 19, 20. Um, they're not really being notified of like the fact that the jobs that they have relied upon for the last three, four years may no longer exist and not meaning this summer, meaning indefinitely. So um, I learned this painfully in 2008 when the recession hit. I was so young and the times were so desperate that businesses weren't hiring college children. They were hiring 30-year-olds that they knew had children or mortgages or like families to take care of. I couldn't find a job to save my life. I had to like literally work at like like a nightclub strip club scenario to like make money because that was the only place where young, you know, there are no old 30 and up trying to work in those kinds of places. So, um, you know, the nightlife was where I was able to make money and just, you know, trying to figure out any way I could to be more valuable to the businesses, like for the nightclubs, doing their marketing for the strip clubs, like creating events for them for more revenue during like, those kinds of businesses don't experience recessions. Those things are still necessities for some, and those some are a lot of people. Um, so they were making great money, but you know, I those times gave me the ability to find those lower level jobs. It gave me experience to think on the dime, to pivot, to figure out where where can I pinch this, tweak that, turn this. What do I need to do to make this work for now? because things were so uncertain in 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, and I think that we're facing the exact same scenario now, but on such a devastating level that no one will feel the true repercussions for this, in my opinion, for at least the next two to three years on the low level. Um, there are, And that is not to be negligent to the millions of people that have been experiencing this level of devastation since the week after their last paycheck, because let's be real, the majority of our country is poverty level, and the majority of children going to college are trying to come up out of poverty, and they typically become the breadwinners for their families that are stuck within these like financial systems where they're not able to make more than what they've always made. 
I come from one of those families. I understand very deeply what it means to be able to like to provide for your family so much so that it is my main purpose in life. Um, and a lot of that had to do with what happened to me when I was a young adult in the recession, like that scared the shit out of me. And what I realized is that I can't rely on the government to pay me unemployment money. I can't rely on this business to keep me because I cried when they said they were going to fire me. Like I got to get out there and figure out how the hell to make money. Like, meanwhile, my dad still wasn't able to work. He's had cancer for 20 years. Like I've been a breadwinner with my mother for my family and my sister since I was 14. So I think the thing that goes along with figuring out how you can make money online somehow, which is a super big topic, right? Like you could take it any direction you want. But the thing that will not, like, all of that is wonderful. You can have an idea all you want. But if you aren't coachable, driven, disciplined, and motivated to continually improve yourself, you're not going anywhere. So their first point of focus, especially if they're blessed enough to be in their parents' home right now and they have food and shelter, is to get those five things on point. If you can get those five things on point, you're ahead of 98% of the United States of America right now. So like kudos to you. Then figure out what the hell do you miss right now? What are you so upset that you can't do? What thing do you like to do for other people that you're not able to do right now? Okay, let's brainstorm on that. How can you take it online? How can you make it digital so that you have an endless possibility of people that you can reach with your purpose, your drive, your message? And then when you've discovered that, figure out what system is necessary for you to be able to spread the information, send the product, give the service, like educate the people on this. There are tons of websites out there. Kajabi is a super good one, although pricey. I would save that until the moment you have like a full-blown course ready and you're ready to like be taking money in for being a coach of some sort. But there's just so many apps, so many free things right at your fingertips that can really change the course of your life. And the same with any recession. It doesn't matter that this one was caused by a health scare. The people that work on themselves in this way during this time are the ones that come out on top. And it sounds disgusting to say, because to me, I hate that there has to be a top. I rather it would be a flat, even road for everyone. And we all just get the fuck along. But sadly, that's not the life we live in. And if you want to be able to create your own paradise and your own life that you think you can live authentically and honestly and be happy with on your last day, I hate to tell you, but you have to be the one to create it from square one all by your damn self. And the minute you get over the fear of that reality and you take it on like a job because it's your job, your happiness, your freedom, your well-being, your life, your health are your job. The sooner you can get these things under your belt and at least feel comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable with them, you've already won. And like that has always served me well. It's something that my dad has always given me throughout my whole life growing up, like these were the things we focused on. It came into big play for me during 2008. It's come into big play for me again right now. Um, and really maybe the only other thing I would suggest is like when you're young and you're in college, you think you need and have to have all these things. And, you know, I'm sure like you guys kind of even feel like there are things in your life before this, you were splurging on, you were doing, it just wasn't necessary. Mm -hmm. The things that we trade our money and our time for have to be more valuable than the things you would die for. Because if they're not, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your dream a disservice. 
And that has been so big for me, even like, you know, I've cut down my spending. I didn't really have shit to spend to begin with, but I had responsibilities and would splurge when I could. Now it's like, man, how much closer to my goal could I have been for Puerto Rico if I didn't get coffee every day, if I didn't have a $15 cake every Friday from PS and Co, although I, I love them, but like, you know, it's like short term sacrifices for long term goals is more what I'm focusing on right now for myself and what I've been kind of passing on to my college babies because they're scared they want to know what to do. They need someone they can trust to do it. And like for me to be able to provide them with even a little bit of comfort and direction right now is like valuable enough that I just feel blessed to be in this position with this information in the first place. Yeah, that's actually a great point. And, you know, these are usually when I teach in my classes, obviously I have to teach my students marketing, but a lot of the stuff that I teach digital marketing, for example, right? Um, things change daily and I always tell them you know I try to teach you what I teach you but things are probably gonna change by the time you actually start working which might be like in a few months but what you learn here is to uh, think critically to work in teams to be respectful to your fellows to me because there are students who got issues with that too and to be on time to not just leave the classroom or for any reason or if you have to leave early, you let me know because when you start working and you don't show up to your uh, job or you leave early without telling your boss, you're going to get fired. So I always tell my students, I do things for a reason. And my goal is not just to teach you marketing, but also teach you some life lessons that are going to be helpful once you graduate from college. So I very much appreciate your point of view because that's, to me, that's honestly the purpose of uh, college education. Um, like I said, a lot of things might become outdated very quickly, um, depending on your discipline, your area of study. But what you learn is how to communicate properly with, with, you, with people, how to be coachable, right? Not get offended because your professor told you you can do something better, um, okay. how to allocate your time better and, and so on. So very much um, appreciate what you said once again. And hopefully there are listeners uh, that can take something away from from uh, our conversation today. I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, much. It's so yeah. fun. Thank you so we, much, Sarah. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. And I literally, well, first of all, look at her, number one. Number two, look at her cheeks. Yes. For a while there, her tongue was sticking out. I was having a hard time keeping <laughs> it together. She's like, I am blissful. My tongue's out. Look at her little face. She's so beautiful, you guys. Like, you knocked it out of the park. Thank you so much. Thank you. She's so beautiful. I will actually, hold on. Do you mind if I show Fernando? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because he, he was like, I can say hi. Let me say hi. <laughs> oh, he's in there? Oh, yeah, where he, okay. I, he's playing video games in the other room. I went in the bathroom because it's so dang loud on the street. I think 
think eating is her favorite thing so far. She's <laughs> <laughs> so perfect, you guys. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. Everything's so good. Isn't she? She's like the perfect yeah. blend of both of them. You can like see She's it. Gorgeous. Yeah. I know. Thanks it's great. DNA is so scary. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, guys. Oh, it was so you. fun. You guys I appreciate good, it. All right? Have a good one. Have a good one. You too. Hopefully we can hang out soon. Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully. I hope so. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe.